six determined contenders. They all want Triple H. This is a game that you don't want to be in. One enforcer, hell-bent on revenge. Triple H, The Rock, Mankind, The Bulldog, The Big Show, Kane. One epic battle for the undisputed World Wrestling Federation Championship. WWF Unforgiven, presented live by Magic the Gathering Trading Cards, tonight on Pay-Per-View. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Rogue Opinions and our retro series. And today, instead of just checking into the normal room that we always check into at the SmackDown Hotel, we are upgrading a little bit and checking into the pay-per-view suite. First up is Unforgiven 1999, September 26, 1999 from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I am Jim Baxter. And today I am joined, as always, by Scott McLeod. Scott, how are you? I'm doing good, Jim. We're uh, in the pay-per-view suite this time and... It's good. I could do without, before being allowed into your room, having Freddie Blassie give you this long, overly dramatic monologue. I just want to, I'm just tired. I want to sit my bags down and lay down in the bed like, go with my way, Freddie. Eh, you know, I mean, it's it's good to have a little bit of theatrics on the way up to a nicer room. Mm-hmm. Um, and no no pillow fort this time. So, you know, we'll have, we'll have plenty of room. Or you would think, if we also weren't joined by Nathan Greenaway today. Nathan, thanks for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's very nice in here. <laughs> Everything's made of velvet, which is a bit weird. It's real velour. I love it. It's so soft. It is. It is. But you're going to have to stay at the foot of the bed there. Just sort of curl up at the very end. I, I promise I won't move. They made me take my shoes off before I came in here, and I'm not allowed to move. It's the pay-per-view suite, all right? We're only going to be in here, like, once every couple of weeks. So, you know, we gotta got to try and keep it nice in here. I understand. But just no, thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, well, let's see how let's see how long it takes us to, you know, keep feeling that way as we go through <laughs> Unforgiven 1999 from Woo! Rick Flair Country, Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, so before we get into the the show as a whole, what did you guys make of uh like before we get into segment by segment, what did you guys make of the show like overall? Let's start with you, Nathan, since you're the guest this week. Uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Um, there were a few things wrong with it. Uh, one was the matches. Uh, <laughs> two was the backstage bits, the interviews. And three was having to watch it. But other than that, it was great. And Scott, and that, what did that's, you... Uh, that's, oh, an exagger- that's an exaggeration. Just, just, sorry, that was a slight exaggeration. Jericho VX pack was very good. Until the ending. Yeah. Well, we'll get yeah. there. Um, uh, Scott, what did you make of uh, the show overall? It was a show <laughs> that, ha- that happened in '89, and I have I liked the main event. I have feelings about the other matches, some more than others. <laughs> oh, we will get there. We're gonna yeah, get we'll, into those feelings. We'll We're really gonna go on a journey here, and. Uh, Today, that journey starts uh, with an, ep- an excellent opening video package, uh, as always. This is uh, one of those great times uh, in WWF stroke WWE history where their video packages to open shows were always really fantastic. Um, then, of course, Pyro, 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 and Signs Galore in the crowd. Very 1999 at the top of their power. WWF really just is, this is what you think of when you think of pro wrestling. Uh, in the 90s, at least in my opinion. J.R. Yeah. are on commentary. 
Um, and we head into our opening match. Val Venus versus the man Charisma forgot, Steve Blackman. <laughs> uh, they go about six and a half minutes. And uh, Val comes out and then like, I mean, mind you, he is glistening like <laughs> a beach morning. Just, just glistening from here to kingdom come. But then he stops and turns back around and comes back out eventually with Steve Blackman's weapon bag. Um, I believe on commentary here, this is where uh, the king was just like, oh, do you think it's just weapons in there? Or is it sort of uh, <laughs> Val's tools of the trade? If he had brought out a gigantic dildo during this, really match, this might have been my favorite pay-per-view of all time. Um, king, did say, king did say at one point, he, he just shouted, they're vibrating! I wrote that down, I thought that was really funny. Jerry Lawler is nothing but not, if not subtle. No, yeah, no. subtlety was never the gift of a former mayoral candidate for Memphis, Jerry the King Lawler. Um, What's he thinking of running from here? I mean, they never mentioned it on commentary. No, I mean, they never once uh, on this show or at any time during this period mentioned that he was running for Memphis mayor. I actually had to look that up. Uh, I had no idea beforehand. Um, Val comes out and does his whole, hello, ladies, <laughs> and talks about how Hurricane, you know, this whole horrible thing called Hurricane Floyd that destroyed portions of the state earlier in the month um said that the remnants were still around because he quote got blown from one end of the state to the other and the crowd went fucking <laughs> crowd shit <laughs> they were like yeah blow jobs all right this guy's talking about his dick <laughs> um the most interesting part of this match by the way is the fact that the brooklyn brawler is your referee because as you know as they stated at the beginning uh the refs are still on strike um, the crowd hates Blackman, uh, which, you know, we're in Charlotte, North Carolina, so that's pretty much all <laughs> random for them. Okay, so like, hold on, what did you say there again? Because I thought... I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry, just the way you said the crowd hates Blackman, I thought, what? wait, what is that? Because <laughs> they choose your words carefully, like, especially given that Mark Henry's in the next match here. Well, no, they seem to, well, it's, Spoilers. you know... Yeah, we're, we're going to get to that. I mean, look, look at you just going over and just taking the Gideon Bible out of the uh, the drawer and just start fucking throwing stuff around over here. That is a motel. That is true. If, you, if you've not seen this show before, spoiler warning. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we are going to spoil the fuck out of this show. <laughs> um, this I literally wrote this down. This match is giving me cancer. Um, <laughs> even Blackman's bumps are kind of like he forgot to give a shit. Um, King says on commentary he's rising to the occasion uh, about Vin, about uh, sorry Val, and Jr. just chimes back in. He's like, he's done that for money once or twice. <laughs> um, and then Venus gets the win after the money shot and tries to hit Blackman with a kendo stick. But kendo stick, I mean, but uh, I mean, they both have the same amount of charisma. But Steve Blackman hits him in the head with a uh, the kendo stick, and Blackman gets attacked by the head of security, and he walks out, gentlemen. I'm going to start with you first, Scott. What did you make of Val Venus versus Steve Blackman in the opening contest? Uh, it was a match. <laughs> and a match that should not, definitely should not have been the opener. Because as soon as Blackman was on offense, the crowd went from uh, cheering about blowjob Inuit uh, jokes and forgetting the fact that the joke he made also destroyed homes. <laughs> and... Just like immediately, like all the charisma just 
It's like a thousand voices were suddenly silenced because Steve Blackman was on offense. <laughs> and then they After cheered. Suddenly silenced. And it was like the crowd weren't cheering because Val was making his comeback. They're saying, like, yay, someone with charisma is in control. Oh, man. Uh, oh, jeez. Yeah, so this was a match. Uh, Nathan, what did you make of it? Um, I thought it was all, it was all right. Uh, it was about what you expect. If you whatever you think Val Venus v Steve Blackman's going to be is what it is. Um, like they're very contrasting characters. It's like if you try to subtly watch porn in a church, <laughs> <laughs> because no matter how no matter how subtle you are, it's real quiet because of Steve Blackman, and you shouldn't be watching porn in a church. You sound like you're speaking to experience. No, it's just kind of like it's just it's just a metaphor that came to me, and um, yeah, that's what I would call this. It's like trying to watch porn in a church, and uh, it wasn't. Jr. and King would just talk about the main event the whole time, which is really ironic because I was listening to Jr.'s podcast earlier, and he was talking about getting the action over in the ring and stop talking about other things. And I remember this match, and that's all they spoke about. Um, apparently, Rock and Bulldog are going to start the main event, which apparently was important to say during this match. Yeah, because um, sorry, I just want to fill in because Undertaker, when he was already doing the six foot challenge, won a Rumble sale match to start the match with Triple H, and then because Triple H lost to Vince, I got changed, and so and then Bulldog took Taker's place, and he was going to be Bulldog Triple H, but then they changed it because Bulldog attacked the Rock on SmackDown, and so yeah. the Rock wants his hands on Bulldog, and I'm confused. Just explain that to you, and I've watched the SmackDowns and lead up to this. We fucking reviewed them, and I, yeah, I, had, I don't get it. <laughs> I had when you, zero when you idea. actually, we'll get well when, when we get to the main event, we'll talk about it. But also watching the main event, I don't get why it matters because it's not like a Royal Rumble where it matters who's one and two. This it, it literally had no bearing on the match who started. No, but, oh well, but uh, no, it was um, uh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if I had to ask you, because uh, if th- those of you who have gone back and, and listened to our SummerSlam review, you heard some of the uh, more interesting ways to rate a match. Uh, if I had to ask both of you guys to rate this match, how would you rate it? God, do you want me to go weirder than porn in a church? Um, <laughs> like trying to have sex in a tent surrounded by nuns. Do you, um, has something happened to I just you, watched like, a Val Venus or... match. <laughs> did, you, did you go to a Catholic school, Nathan? Do, are, you, are there things you need to tell us? You're in a safe place. This is Kevin Bacon film. Sleepers. Is that the Kevin Bacon film? Uh, sure. Uh, none of you have seen Sleepers. Okay. I mean, I would compare this to another Kevin Bacon film, which is Flatliners, because the crowd was flat whenever Blackman was on offense, so... And that's the kind of quality wordplay you come to Rogue Opinions for, ladies and gentlemen. Damn right. Um, I guess if I had to give this anything, it's just like, you know when you go and try and reheat french fries? After you've been out eating and you have nothing else in the fridge except for, like, french fries that are from McDonald's the day before? They go limp. Yeah, they're just all, like, gross and sort of dry but sort of wet. And that's sort of what this is, reheated french fries. Um, Have you guys seen what Val Venus is up to these days? He sells weed and weed products and is a Trump supporter. 
it's like a conspiracy nutcase. It's like a video of him going into a, some kind of public building, like public authority building, and just demanding to be allowed access to all the information in it because he pays taxes. And he was recording it and just screaming at these staff members. And then he got arrested. <laughs> and yeah. he does that loads. He's got a whole YouTube channel. And I was like, what a fucking asshole. <laughs> Go from playing a porn star, like in wrestling, to just being an asshole in real life. Who knew? Uh, Big Show is with Michael Cole in the back, and he says that uh, essentially that there's no way he's not leaving with the title either around his waist, on his shoulder, or in his bag tonight. This promo was boring. He's got really long hair, which is weird. He he asked Michael Cole if he'd taken a stupid pill when he asked him about where Undertaker was. It's a good question, because he was on the poster. He is the poster. That's like there's, it's him yeah. and the words "Unforgiven" WWF Unforgiven live. Wasn't it wasn't Big Show? Big Show was Undertaker's tag team partner at this point. Yeah, yeah. So uh-huh. why is it a stupid question to ask Big Show? I don't know because he's an asshole. I don't know. He just needed to say something like, you know, to kind be honest, of where, as soon as Michael, Michael Cole's about to speak, and I was like, if he says boss time, I'm gonna fucking scream. <laughs> Undertaker is buggered off to ride motorbikes in parts unknown for a few months. This makes me wish Undertaker was Ghost Rider. (laughs) I mean, isn't he? No, he's the dead man who rides a motorcycle at one point. Yeah, I mean, he's. I feel feel like Undertaker and Nicolas Cage are interchangeable. (laughs) Nicolas Cage is Undertaker adjacent. I would love to see Undertaker doing a Nick Cage like, huh, huh. The bees. <laughs> you, see, you see, you hear a bit like Taker saying that basically what is a lifetime contract as it's been described. I like the idea that, like, that when he signed that contract, Vince also sent a plaque like the one Homer gets from Mr. Burns. The don't forget <laughs> you're here forever. <laughs> that's, uh, that's... Do you think Can... of the Starcast stuff and. Um... And the Inside the Ropes tour. Do you think that's just a play to get as much money out of Vince as possible? Because he knew he'd made him an off- he'd make him an offer. I was supposed to go to that bloody tour as well, and I didn't end up going because they sent. All due respect to Mick Foley, he's done thousands of bloody live appearances and podcasts. I didn't pay money to see him. I paid money to see the Undertaker. He never does. Them. It was obviously. A, I reckon it was definitely all a play. I don't think he had any intention to do it unless Vince didn't come to him with a massive contract. Sorry for snapping there. I'm clearly not over it. No, I see that. Speaking of though, uh, I have to ask you a question. Did you ever? Did you guys ever find out who Scottish Undertaker was? No. Nah. Investigation is ongoing. Oh, for fuck's sake! It's, it's fine. Kayfabe Court's got it, but it's at the bottom of the list. Yeah, it's but... it's. There's a big pile of like cases. Well, it's gone one forward because we no longer have to find out where Buddy Murphy is. That's very, yeah, that's very true. He did, he did reappear recently just to get his ass handed to him. Uh, but that's SmackDown of today. We're on, uh, we're on 1999. And let me, just one more question about Big Show. What the fuck is with his facial hair? Like the yeah, way that it was all good. cut. Yeah, I would, like, what? I think that's just the style of the time, bro. I guess so. Speaking of of the time, European Championship match, sexual chocolate Mark Henry with his ladies defends the title against D'Lo Brown. Uh, this match goes 9 minutes and 11 seconds. 
uh, right before the match, Henry is with Lillian, uh, and uh, she asks, this is one of my favorite parts of the whole show, she asks um, if he's... Uh, if he has a problem with D'Lo Brown, like having a shot at the title or whatever, and he just goes, well, you know what? And, like licks his chops and looks at her and goes, I'll tell you what I want a shot at. And fucking Lillian just boom, slaps the fucking taste out of his mouth. Oh, it was fantastic. One thing I wrote down is, um, you know, he had those women with him. Yeah, like, the ladies. That, right. that, that colored lady. How tall was she? Good God. She's like the same height as Mark Henry. Yeah. Yeah, she was. I mean, hey. Amazonian. When you're as big and, like, powerful as Mark Henry, sometimes you got to, like, even the odds when it comes to what happens when you're in the same room (laughs) with sexual chocolate. (laughs) What I want to talk about is this video package, which starts with Miguel Cole reading the Webster's Dictionary definition of friendship. Oh, yeah. It's the best thing Cole's ever done. <laughs> you know that it's going to be fucking gold. Any Anytime anything starts off with Webster's Dictionary defines blank as, like, you know that it's going to be absolute gold. And you're right. This I almost forgot about this video package. It's fucking fantastic. Very good. Yeah. Mark came in the ultimate yield. He turned on his best friend because he wanted him to lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he couldn't put butter or sauce on his uh, on his potatoes, he fucking just beat the shit out of his uh, out of his friend who just wanted the best for him. Yeah, Mark, you're Scott, cool. you're from Scott, you're from Glasgow. If one of your friends said you couldn't deep fry something, would you turn on them? I am getting really pissed off with your, your with your senses that start with you're from Glasgow because I never I know it's never going to lead to anything good. I don't deep fry as many things as some other people may do. We do fry a lot of things here, but I don't eat a lot. I'm just too angry with your <laughs> your clear xenophobia, Nathan. That I, well, I can't you mean, even... Would you I'm turn from... on your friend? What? Would you turn on your friend if they said you couldn't? No. I did uh, okay. I did watch one of my friends kill another friend because he stole a bit of bacon off his burger. <laughs> and, which, and we, all, we all would have supported him because you don't do that. And all of a sudden, we're right back to very Glasgow. Um, so, <laughs> if I explained, if I explained the story in more detail, that we you'd be on my side too. But I don't think we have time to here. <laughs> well, for for now, for now, we'll just we'll just say, stay away from your friend's bacon, everybody. Stay away from it. Um, the hair is back. Doctor Tom Pritchard as the head scab ref here in this match. Um, but uh, Hen- uh, Mark Henry is standing there with a microphone and says that there won't be a title match tonight. He sends the ladies away to go uh, start the car um, and says that because he got slapped, he's got a brainerism. And they, they <laughs> yeah, may. This promo was the best bit of the show. If I had a goddamn nickel for, and I think I said this to you guys in the group chat yesterday, if I had a goddamn nickel for every time on commentary, King or JR said brainerism for the rest of the show, I could come over and do the podcast with you guys in person in the UK. Good. Good. Maybe you'd we'd we get this done at a decent hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So he says they may do the match uh, on Raw tomorrow. So he goes to like leave. D'Lo Brown's like belter of a tune starts, and he comes out and they brawl at the on the ramp and uh around ringside. D'Lo of course is very athletic. Henry is really strong. Um, D'Lo hits the lowdown for the win and becomes European champion again. That's pretty much all I have written down because this match was not very good. 
Uh, we'll start with uh, Nathan on this one. Nathan, your opinion on this European Championship match, please and thank you. Uh, yeah, it wasn't it, it wasn't very good. Uh, we're kind of it's always at that point that everyone talks about when Mark Henry isn't he's not great, but he's still he's better than I remember him being in 1999. Like the match was perfectly fine. Uh, Delo, he just oozes charisma as soon as he comes out. You can tell that he could have easily been kind of higher up the card because uh, he's just he just kind of he just has something about him. But um, it was all right. Uh, Delo won, probably the right choice. Doctor Thomas ref. His hair is magnificent, isn't it? Though, oh, it's, isn't it's it? pretty. It's pretty. But um, I thought that the, it's sad the promo beforehand from Mark Henry saying the brainerism stuff uh, was probably better than the match. To be kind of harsh on it, but no, it was all right. It was all right. It was a match. It had a beginning, <laughs> a middle, and an end. Uh, Scott, your uh, your opinions on the European t- title match here? I do agree with the idea that. Mark was a bit, still a bit limited in what he could do in the ring at this point. Maybe he would have been a bit more nimble if he'd listened to he'd just listened to his friend and lost weight instead of turning on him. But there you go, and we wouldn't have to sit through this match. But but I really like Deal. Like you said, his theme song is a belter. He comes out, he's wobbling, he's wobbling his head like there's no tomorrow, and he gets a he gets some good spots in there out of Mark. I think. Like it's a better match than you could expect to Mark at this point because he's working with some like deal. Like he had, if you remember, he had that European title match with X Pac on SmackDown recently, and I really enjoyed that match. So like when he's against guys like that, I think Mark can actually get some good matches. And uh, I did like the finish with the uh, the, the powerbomb with the lowdown out of the the corner when Mark was doing the punches, and then like that frog splash that he hit, he's able to hit, like from like halfway across the ring. I, I really enjoyed that and. Uh, I think this is like it's good that Dilo got the European title back, but it's one of the things like this is like his fourth reign, so I think it was a case of like, yeah, we're keeping you in this position right now. You're you're just staying in the European title scene. Well, I think like uh, one of the major problems, which like it's really unfortunate, obviously for both men involved, one more than the other, but Dilo is on such like a roll here that like it comes like to a screeching halt in like a few weeks uh, because of a certain incident with a, with a wrestler named draws. Um, and it's unfortunate because he probably could have gone further and draws, you know, broke his neck, but like Dilo could have been probably a way bigger star um, had that unfortunate incident not taken place. But I'm just interested to see where he's, uh, where he's billed from uh, when we get to SmackDown <laughs> on Thursday, if he's in one of his summer residences in Munich or <laughs> like London or just anywhere, like I can't, I can't wait to, can't wait to find that. out. Oh, it's wasn't, like the best. Wasn't he billed from Helsinki for ages? Just yeah. that, just one match he came out. He was like from Helsinki. Yeah. Uh, it was like every match he'd be from somewhere different in, in the continent of Europe. Okay. Um, I would give this match. A sandwich with no cheese. <laughs> it's it's still technically a sandwich, but cheese is kind of what holds it all together and makes it great. Okay. Like it's a butter on the sandwich, or is it just two bits of bread? No, like you got ham in there, but you just got no cheese. So it's not everything that you wanted it to be. It's still, you know, it's technically a sandwich. You like this was technically a match. 
but it yeah, wasn't yeah. and it wasn't great and cheese is what makes sandwiches great yeah, i would agree with that i would give this a you got a, you bought a chocolate bar and you bit into it and you realize this chocolate is not nearly as sexual as you were hoping it would be <laughs> The, like, chocolate's like, the chocolate's like, uh, no, not tonight, man. I got a headache. <laughs> I got a brain neurism. I got a... <laughs> Excellent. Bite into it. You're like, hang on, this isn't shaped like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I if I had to give this one a rating, I'd probably say it's like a like a a stroopwafel, just sort of laid out in the uh, in the sun, like so. It's like warm, nice. but it's not it's not turned yet, but it's warm. And it's not exactly what you're looking for. So all the caramel seeped out and shit. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, God, that's the worst. Yeah, see, and just like cheese, caramel is the cheese of a waffle, And that's what really makes it. Um, I'm getting hungry again. God damn it. Um, <laughs> Cole is in the back with the acolytes. Next up, uh, Bradshaw says, our intrepid reporter, Michael Cole, is with the acolytes. Bradshaw says... They already took out one ECW team, and they're going to do it again. Uh, then, I don't know, fucking Farouk says something, and then, uh, like, a, a fight breaks out as Chaz is getting kicked out of the locker room because apparently he's beating Mariana. Um, guys? Yeah, uh, what, what was this about? Yeah, well, they were doing this angle on Raw where basically they're impl- they keep implying he's beating his girlfriend. And what I said to Jimmy, a weird God. thing is that now everybody's turning on him. The... The attitude there, which is not always kindest to women, they're they're saying that all these all the guys in the locker room are turning on Chess because of what he's doing. And I said it was weird how we had the Godfather seemingly standing up for women, you know, the man who sells <laughs> his whole gimmick is he sells with women to the other men. And he's the one standing up for the battered woman. Nine uh, times out of ten, he's just straight up giving them away. You know, uh, well, you know it's a difficult well. job. Look at the way the world's turned. Everyone criticizes him for giving out free trials. And now what? You can get a 30-day free trial on whatever you want these days. Godfather was ahead of his time. You're a real pioneer, for sure. <laughs> he fucking loves the 30-day free trial. A 30-day free trial of hookers. Uh, <laughs> He's the Spotify. Just once once a day, some gangly looking hooker just knocks at your door and is just sort of like, yeah, I'm uh, I'm here for the free trial. And you're like, oh, all right, well, it's the same person. Work. Just like it's changing. just the same person. Yeah. <laughs> just like making a new email address. He's just yeah, like yeah. having a new beard put on or something every day. Yeah, exactly. Um, next up, Lillian Garcia is with uh, Deborah and Miss Kitty. Deborah says uh, it'll be the last time Jarrett will lay his hands on her. But then everybody's masculine hero, Jeff Jeff Jarrett, walks up and says, "Is that is that a threat? You think a woman is gonna lay hands on a man? Stay out of my way!" And then he just sort of like fucks off. Um, and that leads us into the Intercontinental Championship match. Jeff Jarrett with Miss Kitty is taking on China. Match goes 11 minutes and 51 minutes. 11 minutes and 51 seconds, rather. Um, Jarrett doesn't waste any time beating China down during the uh, during her little entrance. Um, Harvey Whippleman is the ref. Uh, misses a low blow from the second rope because um, that happens a lot tonight. We're gonna get a lot of like it's just a bunch of dudes. And chicks punching dudes in the balls. Like, this whole show. Um, Should be the name of the show. Yeah, punching not... people in the balls, 1999. 
instead of great balls of fire. It's just uh, like you just stole my chick. Oh, my bad, dude. <laughs> my bad. Th- th- that fruit was hanging so low, I couldn't help but reach up and grab it. So um, Jared beats China around ringside. Um, I mean, bless Jr. for trying to call this match the way that he did. Um, like every time China would go for a pinfall, he would just like freak out like Vince McMahon in the, the mid nineties, just like, Oh, could this be it? Oh, yeah. uh, and like, I don't understand why this was not exactly the best. China isn't, you know, you know, at, at least as good as she's going to get, which, you know, is saying something. Um, Jared goes for the figure four, gets kicked off and flips over the rope and like, lands like i mean he way oversells it and just lands outside uh chair shots no dq um jared sends china into the ref calls for miss kitty to get the guitar because you know now all of a sudden they have to do things behind the the referee's back may young and mula end up coming in and jump jump jeff jared until he attacks them back deborah comes out pushes kitty king loses his fucking mind when kitty gets pushed it is like the end of his day like he is not happy about it at all um, Deborah cracks uh, Double J with the with the uh, the guitar, and then China wins and becomes the first woman to hold the IC title for 30 seconds because Doctor Tom comes out and shows the instant replay and reverses the decision. China kicks his ass, low blow, pedigree, then leaves. Scott, what <laughs> I I'm sure you've got plenty to say here. What is your opinion on the Intercontinental Championship match here? Look. Up in the sky. Is that a bird? Is that a plane? No, it's a man putting a woman in a figure four. It must be Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I think this match is better than I had any right to be. I've, I've mentioned multiple times in the SmackDowns that the build to this has been pretty horrible, like, in terms of, like, interaction between China and Jeff Jarrett, because, like, it's mainly just been Jarrett uh, attacking a new woman every week, like, on Raw and SmackDown. But I think I don't like to accuse people of being carried in matches, but Jeff Jarrett made like China look like a million bucks in this match and yeah, they blatantly like I think she blatantly hits Jarrett with a deal chair on the outside and JR comments that it was in full view of the ref. So it just goes to show like the shitty efficiency in this match. And like when Miller and that came in, uh, one of the best lines from Gerald Lawler said about these two, he said, These two were wrestling when the when the Dead Sea was only sick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good line. <laughs> And I kind of like while Jeff Jarrett was a uh, while Jay was pissing his cell when they both got double clotheslined. I wish they kind of hadn't now because uh, Jay Lawler will not shut up about Will and Me Young for the rest of the show, and it gets to the point where Jr. is just getting sick of it. And, like I can't be dealing with your shit right now. Yeah, like after Mula and May are involved here, like it goes over like the entire rest of the show, where like. King, because King is pretty on point up until this like point in the show. Like he's pretty funny. Like a lot of the things he's saying are like landing really well. But then he is just one track minded the rest of the show about like beating old people. Um, speaking yeah. of beating old people, uh, I'll go on. <laughs> I was gonna say like I like I don't think really China is as good as the match was. I don't think China really deserved to win it here because the build has been so so terrible. And it's clearly they're pulling up to some specialty match of, of some kind. Who knows what that could be? Who who could possibly know? Nathan, what are, what was your opinion as you have dove back into 1999 for the first time this evening, and now you get to see Jeff Jarrett versus China? Uh, yeah, as you guys are saying, it was better than I expected it to be. I know that they have obviously the 
Oh, well, I won't spoil it in case people are watching along, but they, ha- they have another match uh, under a different stipulation later on, which is um, it's a lot better from memory than this is. But I thought it was, uh, as Jeff Jarrett kind of carried the whole thing, and Jeff Jarrett is very good. Um, made China look good. One thing I did point out that was weird that you guys haven't uh, mentioned so far for this for something new um, there was points in the show with J- in this match where JR was to- JR was talking about oh a woman beating up a man and King was actually the one saying like why would that be a bad thing yeah and I was point. like that's weird it was that they've kind of they've swapped roles early. it was like King was sticking up for women beating up men during this match at points um, maybe just because it was China and they were probably told to make sure China gets over um, yeah. so maybe it was that uh, May Young and Muller are always were always hilarious. Uh, just bless them; they were great. And uh, uh, the Miss Kitty stuff was funny, just because of obviously the King and Miss Kitty stuff. And other than that, yeah, it was fine. I thought the ending was a bit bullshit. Like I hate it when they do that thing. They did it in an Usos match, probably a couple of years ago now. Where they just had a referee come out and just go, oh no 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 no, you missed this, and it just makes you, it takes away something because you go, why don't they do that all the time? Like, why is there not always a second ref just watching just in case, like VAR in football or soccer if you're American? But like, um, yes, I didn't like that. But overall, I thought it was better than I expected it to be because I thought it was going to be garbage. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the best, but it also probably could have gone a little worse. Um. Dr. Tom, like I said, he comes out and he gets he gets his ass kicked. Uh, but then he ends up making it out for the rest of the show. Um, so good on you for selling those moves there, brother, brother. <laughs> um, next up, we go right into a tag team match. The Dudley Boys taking on the Acolytes. This match goes seven and a half minutes. And uh, officials are seen carrying out Moolah and Mae Young right past the Dudley Boys. A little bit of foreshadowing there, maybe. Possibly. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> um... Jimmy Carderis has crossed the picket line to to officiate this match. I guess they've run out of, uh, you know, the stellar line of scab referees they've had so far. Um, And, let you know, I mean, Carderis is no better. Um, King and JR talk mostly about Moolah and Mae Young's attack during the whole match. Uh, Crowd is absolutely silent for this match. Something just isn't clicking with these two teams. Stevie Richards runs in, dresses... um, an acolyte with the UPN logo on his chest instead of the uh, the acolyte uh, stuff. Um, he super kicks Devon and the acolytes get the win. Then they kick his ass for getting for helping them get the win. Um, Nathan, Dudley Boys versus acolytes. Did you like it? Did you hate it? Let us know. Um, no, I didn't really like it. Uh, the Dudleys at this point obviously hadn't found their stride into what they're going to become in WWE. F at the time or E as it is now. Uh, this the stuttering gimmick didn't really work, and that's obviously why they made the change uh, later on down the line. Because there's just nothing here. The crowd don't like them. Uh, the APA would never get, or the acolytes as they are at the time. So the acolytes would never really get great reactions anyway until they kind of became the APA, and then they would kind of get over a little bit. But why is it just too big? bastards punching each other which is usually fun but this was it was dead as you said the crowd did not care i didn't care i just think it's down to the fact that dudley's just hadn't really found who they're going to be yet because they're still kind of just doing the ecw thing um so i mean we obviously know that dudley's will get there but it was inoffensive but it wasn't good 
Like, it was just boring. And Scott? Uh, before I get my thoughts, I wasn't sure if we were if we were doing this for every match. I thought we were doing the ratings for each match, so... Oh, yeah, we did last, forget that. I was going to say, the last match, if I had to give it a rating, I'd probably give it the Jumanji remake starring The Rock, and that you're not sure what to really expect from it. It could definitely be bad, but in the end, they had someone charismatic enough to carry it enough, and they threw enough, well, enough craziness to think, I quite enjoyed that, so... That's why I'd give China versus Jeff Jarrett. Ah. Nathan, what would you give China versus Jeff Jarrett? Oh, I'd give it the Imagine Dragons album Origins. <laughs> because I didn't really know what it was going to be. And I really like it. And it was better than I thought. So that's what I would give it. Um, I'm going to give it a, a cold miso soup. Um, mostly because the little, like... You know, tofu blocks, like, they spike your estrogen and, you know, it was a woman versus a man and that whole thing. Because everyone knows jokes are funnier when you have to explain them. Uh, no, that, David, was a, that was a deep cut of a joke. Thank you, thank you. That thank was you. a very deep cut. Uh, <laughs> <Or> Nathan, the, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, just like, because you guys both give your thoughts on uh, the Dudley's match, sorry. I thought it would be a lot more of a, like, a brawl than it actually was. Like given like what's happened every time these guys have like interacted in the build to this, and because I feel this is definitely like a test for the Dudleys to see if they'll be like another public enemy, and it was actually there were points where they think word were kind of quieter than I thought they would be, and see uh, Richards I feared for his life because Farouk lifts him up for the dominator and nearly drops him on his head. Oh yeah, that was brutal. I forgot about that. That was nasty looking. Um, and if uh, you guys had to give the Acolytes versus the Dudley Boys a rating, what would you give that this one? I'd give it you are making, like, because you expect it to be one thing. You expect it to be the brew, as Scott said. So I'm going to give it you have just made homemade chili and you've accidentally made it far too spicy. So you can barely eat it. And so when you put it in your mouth, it just makes you kind of go <laughs> like you're stuttering. Another because deep it, cut. Yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, 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 this is too hot. That's what I give it. <laughs> I'll, I'll give this like you, you've been out drinking quite late and you, you, you think to yourself like this is going to be like because I thought it was going to be a frolic. I'm going to have a really rough like hangover in the morning. And you actually feel like you're you're not as bad as you actually thought you were, because I thought this was going to be a lot more like the the clips were going to be a lot more stiff with the Dudleys than they were in this match. So that's there you go, a hangover that's not as bad as you thought it was going to be. That's why I give this. Um, I'm probably just going to give it like you wake up, you're up late, like later than you expected. You don't got a lot in the fridge, so you're just sort of eating like slices of bread. Um, bread in the fridge. I mean, yeah, it keeps it better. It keeps it uh, fresh for longer. What? Scott, do you keep bread in the fridge? No. Like, if I've bought, like, if I've like more than one loaf of bread and... You put it in the freezer, like, right? I keep it one in the freezer because they both are close sell-by date, so you finish yeah, exactly. the one and then when that's done, you bring the other one at the freezer. So you've got at least a couple of days on that, but I don't yeah. put what it in you, the fridge. What are you keeping bread in the fridge for, man? You've got to go soggy. Ah. And it's usually pretty fine. But anyway, like I said, you're just standing around at two in the morning in the dark eating slices of bread because you got nothing else. 
Um, God, that's such a sad image. Yeah. Just imagine you just standing there eating bread out of a fridge. <laughs> just <laughs> sta- not even leaving the fridge door. You're just standing pretty much in the fridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Punching on bread slices. And just drying my tears with the with the bread and then eating it and you know, going back and forth. You really need to move in with your fiance because you're a mess. Yeah. I, I, I do. I do need to move in with her. Yeah. Um. So so that way, from now on, she'll just be like in the corner of the room, just sort of like shaking her head, like listen to you guys, listen to you boys talking about wrestling. Does she Jesus. listen to these podcasts? No, she doesn't listen to these. Uh, I was gonna send her out a cry for help <laughs> for you. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell her that she was mentioned, and maybe she'll listen to it, but. But I doubt. I doubt she'll. She, wrestling's not her thing, so she might not. She might not listen to this. Um, speaking about wrestling not being somebody's thing, uh, women's title hardcore match is happening. Uh, Luna gets jumped from behind on the way. I guess to the ring is where she was probably walking. Um, they fight through the backstage area. Uh, Ivory retains here in three minutes and thirty-seven seconds. Not really a lot to say about this. Is just a lot of like throwing into walls and you know punches and kicks and throwing into objects and stuff so uh scott your opinion on the women's title match here i thought it was way too short like especially like with luna and ivory and like they had the hardcore women's match with toy and ivory a few weeks ago on raw and that was a lot better than this so and like it had tori involved in it so you're not saying something but like the best part in this match is clearly Ivory being positioned on all those boxes and Luna just diving off after her. And then you've got Tori with the least effective run-in of all time. And then, like, the finish, just I had to rewind the finish because I like, wait, is that, is that it? Because, like, Ivory hits Luna with a pole. But no, no, she doesn't even hit her that hard. She doesn't even hit her in, like, in the head with it. I think she hits her in, like, the gut and then just pins her. And, like, like, I don't even know what they made. It's just, I was hoping for a lot more than this. Um, yeah, I mean, like, there isn't like a whole lot to say about it. I mean, Nathan, do you have uh, some some wise words, some input about this match? Oh, I don't know about wise words. Um, it was more of a segment than a match. Like it was way because it had some it had potential when it started off, and Luna was just like looking like a badass, just kicking ivory all over the place. I thought, and we're we're onto something here. We're finally going to get something. Then it was just like over. Um, this had potential to easily be match of the night for me because when it's that three minute, it was a proper good three minute brawl. Um, they just should have given them more time, and that's probably something you could say about every women's segment up until about 2015, like outside of a few examples in the middle. But um, I thought it started off really good. It could have been awesome. The yeah, the Tory running was just funny because it was just like, <laughs> which is just someone just catacly. Just catastrophically failing at being effective, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I thought it was really good. Um, it was good for what it was, but it was far too short to be anything great. It was more of a segment than a match. And if I had to get your creative ratings for this women's title hardcore match, oh, damn. Uh, the straight to DVD sequel of Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> it was a sequel to Freddy versus Jason, exactly. Huh? Is this equal to Freddy versus Jason? Yeah, that's why I'm going to give it. Luna's insane, and Ivory's probably insane. So the straight to DVD sequel of Freddy versus Jason. 
I think because it started off well, and then it was just it ended abruptly and was so short and it was just not what you wanted. I'm gonna give it. You settle down to like just get like an hour or so in that, and then somebody's car alarm goes off outside and you can't get back to sleep anymore. Oh god, that's really yeah. That's rough. That yeah. That's called relatable content, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure every single one of you listening right now are like, "Damn, I've fucking been there. I feel then, that." And then you get up and you're randomly beaten up by two old women. That's how everybody was. <laughs> <laughs> it just gets worse. Um, my my rating, my official rating for this is like if you're walking down the street and you happen to walk past like a hot dog cart or something, but like unbeknownst to you, the guy was like going to leave for the day, so all he's got left are like stale buns and like lukewarm hot dogs and you buy one and like he starts fucking off and like you walk down like an alleyway and you take a bite of it and it's not anything what you were hoping it was going to be and so you just sort of like throw it on the floor and then of course two old women come by and beat the (laughs) hot dog up because that's exactly what happens to ivory as she runs in on lillian with moolah and may young um, before that, Moolah says, Jeff should, Jeff should stay out of their way, and then Ivory comes up and gets bitch-slapped around by Moolah, you know, so, say lovey. Isn't it funny that they said Jeff should stay out of our way after they interfered in his match? Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> you were in the crowd. Like, somebody, like, I think, like, running a red light and run over somebody, like, well, he shouldn't have been in my way. <laughs> <laughs> He can't. You can't see that I'm fucking driving over here, dude. Like, like the Ben Happy, the Ben Happy Gilmore. You hit that guy. We should have been standing there. <laughs> <laughs> um. Next up, we actually have some uh some entertaining wrestling to a certain extent. We got the WWF Tag Team Championship match goes 11 minutes and seven seconds. The New Age Outlaws defend their WWF Tag Team Champions of the World against Edge and Christian. Um, they, like I said, this match goes about 11 minutes. Uh, Mr. A- uh, Mr. S looks gigantic here. I mean, he just looks swole. Like it is swole o'clock. Um, yeah, he's been taking his vitamins. Yes, definitely. He's been all over the vitamins. Uh, Edge and Christian's talents really show here. Uh, ENC dominate, uh, Ro- road dog for a large portion of the match working on his lower back and whatnot. Um, and then, of course, Mr. S gets, like, the overly hot tag. Um, and then uh, after he runs around for a little bit, the momentum starts to shift a little bit. Um, but then the Hardy Boys and Gangrel come out, cost uh, Edge and Christian the tag belts. Mr. S pins Edge after a Famouser, and they retain in 11 minutes. Scott Tholomew, sir, what, uh, what, do you, uh, what do you make of this match here? for the WWF Tag Team Championships of the world. It's a weird one because, like, I, I like to think of the Attitude Era two, like, halves, and, uh, like, like the first half is, like, the likes of the New Age Outlaws are on top of, like, the Tag Team Division, whereas in the second half you've got Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, and the Hardys. So I never really thought these teams have ever, like, coming together, so it was weird to actually see this match happen, and it gave some context. Edge and Christian have had a poor go of it because... They won a number one contenders match. And then at the time, the tag team champions were Undertaker and Big Show. So then the titles went to the Rock and Salt. And then they went to the Outlaws with little mention of Edge and Christian being the number one contenders. And then apparently this match was just announced on Heat before this pay-per-view. 
and as was another match that we're going to get to, which made me think, oh god, do I need to watch Heat now as well? Because I'm already watching the Raws for the SmackDown. Like I've watched too, I've got too much wrestling on at the moment. I can't afford to start watching Heat as well. No, I I wouldn't recommend watching Heat at this time. Like this is all still like, uh, just like they're mostly just sort of interviews and like pre-shows essentially. Like it's not as uh like it's not the same heat that it was like yeah, even a year prior because now smackdown is the b show i mean who's yeah. who's, who's the 90s version of san roberts that i would see if i watched heat oh good question uh look at sam roberts it could very well be him still the red rooster <laughs> whatever the fuck his name is terry taylor terry taylor yeah maybe him. He still been in wcw at this point wouldn't he no, he was uh he was doing interviews and stuff. He was back backstage interviewer at WWF. According to Eric Bischoff and Jim Ross, he was probably shagging around everyone. <laughs> they both spoke about him on their pods this week about someone. That's get, why they call him the Red Rooster. Because <laughs> it's just never mind. I'm not even gonna get into it. Um. So if I had to get if I had to uh, oh Nathan, your your thoughts on the uh the tag team championship match here? Um, I was gonna tell you what I wrote. Word for word. Edge and Christian build as brothers. Ha ha. Edge's hair is better in 2019 than it is in 1999. <laughs> Did Mr. Ass Mrs. Q. Road Dog held the mic like a dick. Ha ha. Attitude era. It's weird having someone say, welcome to the dog house right before Kennel from Hell. <laughs> uh, crowd love New Age Outlaws. Billy Gunn's wearing a choker or has a really weird tattoo. It's definitely a choker. Match is very slow. I got bored. Hey, look, it's Gangrel. <laughs> That's why I wrote. Scintillating. So I'm going to give this Blade Trinity. Because I got to see some vampires, but I didn't like it. I thought oh. it was slow. I thought it was slow and a bit. I just thought it was slow and a bit boring. I mean, you see Edge and Christian as the tag team. I'm so used to seeing fast-paced stuff. And it was just a lot of road dog being isolated. And for some reason, Mr. Ass was just kind of billed as being kind of above everyone. It's the way that they booked Alexa Bliss at SummerSlam. Like whenever she was in the ring, she was just supposedly too good for the iconics. And I kind of felt that was the way Billy Gunn was kind of it. And I know that, has he won King of the Ring yet? Yes. Yeah, and I know that he's obviously the King of the Ring up until The Rock t- took care of that. But um, I don't know. I just thought it was a bit. I just expected more. So it's Blade Trinity. Okay, Scott, your rate, your rating for this match. I, I I thought it was a decent tag match, but I think within like a year of this, or like even within a couple of months, we're gonna start getting a whole new like standard of tag team match, which like by by comparison, this match doesn't hold up to. So I'm gonna say it's. Yeah, I'll say it's the first like either the first Thor or the first Captain America movie, and it's a serviceable comic book movie, but considering what happened within a few years, we had much bigger blockbuster comic book movies, so by comparison, it's not as good. Yeah, I mean, that that, that definitely makes sense. Um, let's see. I'm going to give this a Pizza Hut personal pan pizza because it's not as good as Domino's. Or Papa John's, and that's saying something considering Papa John's is garbage. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a Pizza Hut oh, personal it's... pan pizza. I don't even know what that is. 
What, the personal pan pizza or the Papa John's? I've had Papa John's, it's awful. What's the yeah, personal pan pizza? It's like a smaller pizza. Like Ugh. it's like it's like uh you know, like the the uh you had you had me at smaller. I'm done. Okay, gotcha. Uh moving on. Bulldog is with Lillian uh, and Triple H is just sort of standing there off to the side like a like a weird stage mom. Um, and <laughs> it says that The Rock is getting too cocky. And then Triple H says he and Bulldog will uh, have some work to do and he will be WWF champion by the end of the evening. Cool. Thanks, I'm buddy. So I'm, let's just get to the next bit. Let's get to it. Boss Man is with Cole. Uh, threatens to stick his nightstick up Cole's ass and says that it'll be a night to remember. Well, if you're sticking a nightstick up somebody's ass, I'm sure they're going to remember it. Um, is, was that was this something you wanted to talk about, or was it the match that you wanted to talk about, Nate? Yeah, I really wanted to talk about this segment. No, I wanted to talk about Kennel from Hell. Gotcha. So <laughs> Al Snow is with Lillian after that, and he says he'll be all over Boss Man's ass like a one-man crime spree. Okay. Yep. It's actually his all over his fat donut eating ass to be more specific. Oh, thank you, thank you. I I was taking notes, so I, I may have missed I may have missed some of the adjectives he used there. But um, just to, just to just to add something to this, these people are doing these interviews for one reason and one reason alone, and that is because the sheer amount of time it takes people to set up these cages. <laughs> Oh man, and we're gonna get into believably. We're definitely gonna get into how long it takes to set up and dismantle this fucking case. Yes. Um, and here's, I mean, here's the real main event in my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for the kennel from hell match for the hardcore championship. It goes 11 minutes and 25 seconds. Al Snow defending against the big boss man. Now, Scott, for those who may not be aware, for those who may just be joining us because of I don't know, maybe they like the Unforgiven pay-per-views. Why don't you try and catch everybody up in like, you know, 30 seconds or so about why we're having this kennel from hell, man. So basically, Boss Man is a sick son of a bitch. He wants the hardcore title so bad that he kidnapped Al Snow's Chihuahua Pepper and they wouldn't give him back even though he won the hardcore title from him. He ended up, he said he was going to give it back. He cooked the dog, fed it to Al, and Al threw up. Uh, Bulldog came back, beat Al Snow for the hardcore, beat Boss Man for the hardcore title, and then gave it to Al Snow, and then Al Snow challenged the this match. He buried Pepper with his remains in a doggy bag, and Bossman pissed on the grave, and now we have this match. With two seconds to spare. Nice. There we go. Um, so yeah, the dogs uh, immediately start pissing everywhere once they are let into the cage. Um, hard to see what's going on, really. Uh, Bossman cuts a hole in the roof of the cage at one point. Um, he pulls out some uh, confiscated cocaine from the... Uh, from the, the the jail that he obviously works at, uh, gets it knocked back into his face by Al. Um, crowds are sort of silent for this one as well because I guess they're just sort of like at a loss for what they're fucking seeing. Um, Bossman handcuffs Al to the turnbuckle and he makes his way to the roof, but Al gets free pretty quickly and racks him on the top rope. Al Snow ends up escaping before Bossman. Hopefully this is over now. I feel bad for these dogs. Those are my opinions on this match. Nathan, you have you say you have a lot, so I'm going to go right back to world champion, like, recapper, fucking Scott McLeod. Scott, what is your opinion on the the illustrious, the infamous Kennel from Hell match? But immediately, like, as they're entering the cage, they start pissing, and 
Jerry Lawler starts <laughs> laughing and calling attention, saying the dogs are pissed off. And maybe there's been some network in, but I heard that the dog, one of the dogs, a couple of the dogs tried to hump each other during this match, or that maybe it's been rumour. But I've heard Al Snow shoot interviews, and he is not kind with this match because he, these animals were not as the trained animals he thought he was going to be dealing with. And he said, like, we spent weeks hyping up the fact that the dogs were a big part of this match. And then when the do- clearly the dogs were not interested, then we had to find they had to find a way to take attention away from the dogs, which was hard because the dogs would not stop barking trying to they were more interested in fighting each other than getting one of these guys like Al Snow is putting Bossman's hand to the cage trying to get one of the dogs to bite him and the dog has like no interest and like uh, like actually it was not as painful to sit through as I thought it was gonna be. But you know, once you sat through the extreme elimination chamber, you can probably sit through anything. Oh yeah, that's right. You guys did have to do that. <laughs> that was better than this. I would actually say this wasn't as really as painful as I thought it was going to be, so I'd give it a slight edge, but it's not much of an an award. Nathan, I thought it was just hilarious from the moment that they did not have a cage ready and they had to get all those people out and everyone's doing promos to try and delay the action. And we'll get to it later because Jericho then has to cut a clearly impromptu promo because they haven't had time to take down the cage or clear up all the dog shit from around the ring. The match starts. The dogs aren't even in the cage for the first few minutes. Then these just random humans come out leading Rockweilers. And they're just building up the fact, oh, it's Rockweilers, they're so vicious. So they clearly start barking at each other. One of them immediately pisses on the floor and the camera catches it. And it's just a mess. I just feel I feel so bad for Al Snow and Big Boss Man just having to try and work through this and put on some kind of match. Uh, I don't know what the rules were until the very end. I didn't get them that you had to escape the hell in a cell as well. But then I was like, it's a hell in a cell. How do you get out of a hell in a cell without smashing your way through it? But nope, you can just walk out the door as Al Snow shows at the end. Um, it's garbage. It was funny for about five minutes. And then it just descended into just farcical nonsense. Big boss man climbing up the hell in a cell and smashing his way through it to get to the roof. Was his, What was he going to do when he got to the roof? <laughs> He's just going to jump off Mankind style to try and win this match. Um, I didn't even know it was for the hardcore title to the end. That would have been impressive because he's been on he's been on SmackDown the last couple of weeks bragging about how hardcore he is. So if he had gotten up to the roof, stood up on the on like the commentator side and was like, yeah, I'm hardcore and like threw himself off into the table. Oh, it would have been amazing. It would have been great if he shouted for the love of mankind and then jumped off. Oh, because, yeah, that but, separates it. Yeah, that... She's yelling, um, I'm hardcore! <laughs> and the, the crowd just died about... The dogs were just barking at each other so loudly, like, as well, and they were just going furious. There was a bit, where was it, where Big Boss Man had his arm through the blue cage, yeah. and now Snow was like, bite him! And none of the dogs even reacted, because they were too busy screaming at each other. The best bit of this match is at the end when Big Boss Man is running away and the dogs and the owners are running up the ramp and that one guy falls over his dog. Yo, yeah. <laughs> that was the oh best Oh, my God. Of that what? poor just, fucking dog. Just an incredible match. Um, five stars. 
I mean, GR says at the end, we've seen the first and probably yeah, the last. Probably the last. <laughs> and you, get, you know that's Vince and his ear saying, like, shit all over this match. Like, this Kill was it. it. Kill how, it. How quickly do you think Vince regretted putting this match on? I don't know, because he put Big Boss Man in a world title feud not long after this. <laughs> like, um, like, it's funny, too, because when X-Pac is coming out, uh, JR says on commentary, the dog days of, of Unforgiven are over. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, they just do not waste any time or any breath on this fucking match after it's over. They're just like, well, that fucking happened. It's never going to happen again. Jesus, this is so bad. If I had to give, if I had to ask for your ratings on this one, what would we be giving the Kennel from Hell match? Uh, I would I'm going to say... give it, oh, sorry, you go, Scott. No, you, no, you go. I'm going to give it Theodore Rex. Do you guys know what Theodore Rex is? I do not, no. Theodore Rex is a 1995 film where Whoopi Goldberg is a buddy cop with a dinosaur. And they go around and they solve crime because someone is trying to cause another extinction. And the reason I give it this rating is because Whoopi Goldberg agreed to do this film, tried to back out and then had to be sued in order to still be in it in a three year lawsuit costing millions of dollars. And the film never got a cinematic release and ended up being a direct DVD film. So I give it if guys, if you've not seen Theodore Rex, uh, don't. Is my first piece of advice, but also do if you hate yourself, and that's why I would give I'll give this the 1995 film Theodore Rex. Uh, I think about rating. I have no personal experience with this rating my, this thing myself, but I would say it's like going for you have to have a rectal exam, but the doctor has used some sort of specialist gel that it's not as uncomfortable and as pleasant as you feared it would be, and then it's over before you realise it, and you think, like, well, I'm just going to try my best to move on from having gone through that, because I didn't think this match was as bad as it as I thought it was going to be. It definitely, I would have rather not watched it, and I'm glad we can move on. Arsenal can move on from this, at least day one, but I also fear what Bossman's going to do next, so there's my ring, and a slightly oh. less unpleasant rectal exam than you, experience, you expected. Okay. All right. Um, if I had to give this a rating, uh, I'm thinking, um, do you know, like, after, like, if you go into, like, have either of you guys worked in, like, a restaurant or anything? And, uh, yeah. Okay, so, you know, like, in the fryer, there's always, like, those little, like, nubs of just, like, fried something at the yeah. bottom and stuff? Uh, that's what I'm giving this match. Uh, I just thought of a better rating, but I don't know if I should save it. All right, well, we'll see. We we do have two more matches coming up, so I'll might save wanna... it. Save it. All right, he's saving it, ladies and gentlemen. We'll we'll see what's going on. But speaking of, um, you know, not necessarily bad uh, fingers into anus cavities. Uh, Michael Cole is with Mankind, um, and he says, "If I need to, if if need be, I'll lay the smacketh down on the rock." You know, therefore, he's just cutting this promo. Because they're still taking down the cage. As we go into our eighth match of the evening, the penultimate match here on Unforgiven 99, Chris Jericho with his bodyguard Curtis Hughes taking on X-Pac. They go about 13 minutes, but when they come out, 
Jericho has to kill some time, not only on the ramp, posing and whatnot, and awkwardly walking his way to the ring, uh, but then he gets a microphone uh, while they take the cage down. Um, it takes forever, mind you. Uh, but he says he's going to end X-Pac's career tonight, uh, as well as when he uh, ended Ken Scamrock's career uh, recently. Because uh, as you might have heard on the Go Home Edition, we have seen the last of our dear, dear friend, Mr. Ken Shamrock. Uh, we will no longer be seeing anything from him. And of course, Jericho is going to use that in a promo, say that that was all uh, his his doing, uh, you know, because he did beat him up. Um, he says he's here to save this boring ass pay-per-view uh, to which King says, oh, look, JR, he's been listening to you. Um, <laughs> uh, and he's here to save the WWF. And then X-Pac, X-Pac walks out um, and uh, he he just comes out and the, the, the match gets going. Um, it starts out really hot, but uh, slows down a little bit later on, gets into that, uh, you know, rest hold territory there for a little while. Um, Jericho catches X-Pac with the most blatant low blow of all time. Um, but something that was very interesting to me during this match is something is definitely going on in the crowd. During this match and commentary tries to cover it up by saying, you know, we got a great crowd here and they're here trying to get X-Pac back into this match and yada, yada, yada. What do you guys think is going on in the crowd during X-Pac versus Chris Jericho? I'm, 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 you know, I'm confused. I would like to try and figure this out. I mean, as a modern fan, I, I would like to say it's maybe a beach ball. But I don't think this crowd would bring out a beach ball. Like, I think it's just maybe somebody got thrown out. Or something like that, because the were bits where the crowd booed, and then the crowd cheered. So maybe somebody was about to get thrown out, and then they got let back in, or something like that. And the crowd were clearly chanting something, but I couldn't hear it making it what it was. Yeah, I went back and, and rewatched parts of this match just so I could like try and figure out what they were chanting, but I I couldn't make heads or tails of it. We're saying the other, we're saying the other chant. I thought they were maybe. Hey, At one point, I thought they were chanting, "We won't be" or something like that, like. I thought that can't be it. Yeah, maybe they, probably just someone too drunk or acting like an idiot. Yeah. There were those two guys like around the area of what was going on that had a, like a sign. One said ass and one said hole. And they were rather large signs. So maybe maybe security was just getting rid of them uh, or whatnot. Or maybe they tried to confiscate the signs and those guys were, I don't know, being assholes or whatever. I'm not sure. That's just a working theory. Um, but, um, yeah, we see, uh, I mean, an impressive lion salt from Chris Jericho. I mean, he goes like two thirds of the way across the ring during this match. Uh, Curtis Hughes gets involved. Um, I mean, just lots of shenanigans going on here. Like I said, this goes about 13 minutes. Uh, Nathan, what do you, what, 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 give me your opinions here on Jericho versus Xbox. Um, unless, well, some people might have like preferred the main event, but personally I preferred this match. Uh, for myself, Jericho had some serious hops doing his springboard drop kick from the top rope, not from the middle rope as he's done it these days. Uh, but yeah, it was just it was it was really really good. The ending was a bit garbage, it was a bit of a letdown. I kind of forgot about Jericho's phase with Curtis Hughes. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so when he came out, I was like, oh god, I forgot about this. It was just hilarious, the amount of time killing that was going on once they got down the cage. But this match was really good. It was good back and forth. 
X Pac is so good, and you kind of forget how good he was. Uh, I know he's retired quite quietly recently in the last couple of months, uh, but he would have been if he was. It's, there's so many people you can say around, but if he was around now, X Pac, he'd be such a big deal compared to what he was, and he was still a big deal. Uh, but this was really good stuff back and forth. The ending was a bit garbage, so it was basically just a good match with a kind of a crap ending. But for me, this was my favorite match of the night. Okay, um, Scott, your uh, your opinions? Uh, I really actually quite enjoyed this match. It was a well worked match. Like the whole crowd thing aside, you talk about like playing low balls. Like Tom Pritchard, like was looking at, was checking on. Was it Tom Pritchard that was the referee? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah I thought so. But like, he's checking on Jericho outside, and then basically Curtis Hughes hits with its X spot with a clothesline, and the referee blatantly sees it, and you know, all you hear is something like, "I didn't do nothing." <laughs> like we click, quickly seen you. Like the referee quickly seen you. You hit him like, and they just sound like, "I didn't do nothing." <laughs> and like, like I remember Jericho talking about again, like the the struggle with adapting to the WWE style. I think X Pac was one of those guys I hear about X Pac that they would put X Pac out there with people to make sure, like, they'd see if they could go. And if he could have a good match with X Pac, then you were probably all right. Or if he couldn't have a good match with X Pac, the fair was like, yeah, he's not gonna, he's not gonna get it. And I actually like, enjoy this match more than I thought I would. Like, it was definitely better than some of the matches we had to sit through at the start of this show. But uh, I think I prefer, still preferred the main event, unlike Nathan. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm actually, um, I agree with, uh, Nathan a little bit that I really did enjoy this match up until the end. Mm-hmm. Um, the end was such a letdown, uh, just because of like how much like fun I was having watching this match. Um, road dog of course comes out and, and helps, uh, his buddy X-Pac while Curtis Hughes and Jericho are beating him down. Uh, but yeah, I, I just enjoyed the hell out of this match and would definitely love to see these guys wrestle again. Um, I don't remember if they do have another run in or not, but, uh, definitely looking forward to seeing, uh, something else come from this just because this match was a whole hell of a lot of fun. I think that the crowd did a disservice to this match just by like not paying attention to a large portion of it because of what was going on, uh, in the audience. Um, and, uh. That's why I'm going to give this match uh, uh, a hot pocket that was like you're you're hungry all fucking day. You haven't eaten whatever. And then you bite into a hot pocket and it's hot. It's delicious. It's cheesy. It's melty. But then you get to the middle and it's still quite cold. But then at the end, it's still warm. So it's not entirely satisfying, but you do get, you know, the majority of what you were looking for. Uh, what are your guys ratings? Finger sandwiches. Okay. Because you really want a sandwich, but you only get finger sandwiches and they're really small. <laughs> okay. Sounds like you yeah. have like a, a personal issue with finger sandwiches. But they're really yeah, small. If I want a sandwich, I want a proper sandwich. You just feel the disappointment in his voice when he says that. He's yeah. fucking finger sandwiches, man. Fuck it. Whatever. We're, all, we're on the wrong podcast to talk about finger sandwiches, but I hate them. I think they're bullshit. <laughs> Uh, I did want to say, like, there were some points that some people could say were boring about this match, but I think it was mainly because the, uh, the crowd weren't into the, but those portions. And, like, if the crowd were a bit more invested, then, like, there are certain students that see this match that would have been a lot better because we forget sometimes how 
how much a really hot crowd adds to a match. But for me, I think, because it, it was so good right up until the end, I'm thinking you're playing a game of Mario Kart and you're doing really well. You've done all you've done well off the last you've been in the lead for the majority of the race. And just as you're about to turn the corner to uh, for the finish line to finally win the race, when you get one of those bloody blue shells hovering above you then it explodes. <laughs> and then the time it. It, and the time you're flipping over someone just overtakes you and steals your first place right at the last moment. And yeah, maybe I've had some experience with that and that's why I <laughs> You're gonna get, you're gonna need a minute to breathe there, Scott. You wanna you take it take a moment. I, I get really competitive when I play Mario Kart. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's an issue. I love Mario Kart. Mario I, I, Kart and Mario Party are like responsible for a lot of friendships that I no longer have. I I remember like I mainly play it on the Wii, but and then I went to Francis and it, they were playing uh, on the Nintendo sixty four. Now, I've not played the Nintendo 64 for some time, and even when I did play it, I mainly used it to play, like, uh, Pokemon Stadium. And so I was, it took me a while to adapt to the controls, and then somebody, like an absolute dick, and if and if you do this when you're playing Mario Kart with your friends, you're an arsehole as well. He, he, it was his turn to pick a course, and he picked Rainbow Road. And if you purposely choose that for, a, for Mario Kart, you're an arsehole. Yeah, for sure. No one ever should pick Rainbow Road. Like, and it's not fucking funny. It's not funny at all. Don't sit there and go, oh, come on, guys. You know, like, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. I'm not here for a challenge, asshole. I'm here to play a game, and I'm here to enjoy myself and possibly ruin a few friendships by coming in first place at the last second with a blue shell. All right? Like, chill. And the thing is, I was struggling, to, not only was I struggling to maintain, like, understand the controls on a new console that I hadn't played in ages I was then having to navigate the most difficult course in the game, which then led me just to constantly smack into the wall again and again. And I was enforced like the majority of the race till, till I got to a point where I was just like, someone please win this, end this suffering. And three, th- uh, three laps on Rainbow Road is way too long. It is mm. such a long course. Yeah. Um, but, you know... Mario Party discuss Mario Kart discussions to the side uh, for now. Um, we are going to the main event of the evening: the six-pack challenge for the vacant WWF title. Special Enforcer Stone Cold Steve Austin. We've got the Big Show, the British Bulldog, Mankind, Kane, Triple H, and The Rock. Um, before we get into the match, I would just like to ask your guys' opinion on one thing: this fucking video package. Whoever yeah. wants to start, just like give us, give us, give us your thoughts on the video package. You see, the video package starts off well; it gives you a good explanation. Then suddenly, it turns into some really bad music video slash silent movie because instead of having clips of people telling you what happened, words just appear telling you what happened. Like Triple H attacked, the that came back. Triple H tried to have him arrested. Like I said to you guys before we recorded, it was like a really bad episode of like sort of a really bad episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like the one where Vince wins the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like and even then, like the claim system of the down did the music. Well, not in the network version, they fucking didn't because I don't know where they got this music from. Probably some of those crappy like royalty free 
websites and when you listen to some news that you realize there's a reason why no one's paying royalties for this shit. It sounded like the music you'd hear in like a PowerPoint presentation. Mm-hmm. Nathan, how did you feel about the video package? Yeah, I didn't feel good about it. Um, I watched it, I just thought, this is crap. Uh, it's testament to how high quality the WWF slash WWE video packages usually are. Because this this just felt so shit, like it's so amateur. And it did. It just felt like someone knocked it up in Movie Maker in about five minutes. Like it felt like they'd forgot to make it until about five minutes before the show, and someone just had to knock something up during the show to stick on the end because it was just bad. Like they would have been better off just not having one and just playing like some highlights from the last Raw and Smackdowns, and then just getting straight into the match. Yeah, because yeah. this was just—it was just bad. Um, yeah. And I get like they needed to explain maybe to people that hadn't been watching why the WWF title was vacant. But like you could have easily done that in a segment instead of putting out this trash. But, but even then, like they didn't even do that good job of explaining what's been happening because a lot has been happening. And for someone like Unison who hasn't been watching the Raw SmackDown, so like you watch it like if you just tuned in for this show, you'd be very confused. Yeah, and I feel like they could have got away with, like, they could have just kept it so simple and just been like, okay, the title's vacant. Like, that's <laughs> fine. If you just say the title's vacant, you're like, okay, one of these people's going to win it. Like, they didn't need to go into that weird detail. And, like, the convoluted bit of having, I know you want to get Austin on the show because it's 1999, but, like, the convoluted way that Austin became the enforcer and having it, Vince McMahon announces him as the enforcer, and you're like, hang on, it's 1999. Why is Vince putting Austin in anything? This isn't the Attitude Era. This doesn't feel like the Attitude Era. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't really. I don't think it explained the story very well. Why is like, why is Vince giving Austin anything in 1999? That's a real Cause, question. Because Vince's face, because Triple H was an arsehole to Linda, and then. Triple H uh, challenged Vince to a title match on the SmackDown and Austin mm-hmm. helped them because Triple H is an asshole and Curry to get him arrested. And uh, uh, okay. Austin kind so of. they're on Kane the same him. side. Yeah, because yeah, they both hate Triple H and also Austin got this promo on the Raw before saying, like, as much as they hate him, it's kind of not been the same without him. So it's kind of it's like where you hate somebody, like a superhero or a supervillain, that you, you want to stop them, but. We secretly like they'd be nothing if they weren't around. Yeah, but the video package was garbage. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um. So then Austin comes out after everyone else uh, who's actually in the match proper comes out, goes right to commentary, requests a beer, and gets on the headset. Um. That something that stuck out to me during the entire course of the show is they said it at the beginning and they said it here uh, that. Austin kept guaranteeing that there was going to be a new world champion. And it's like, yeah, the title's fucking vacant. Of course there's going to be a new WWF champion. Like, what was the show going to end? And everybody was just going to lay down and go, eh, we tried. Like, <laughs> like what, like JR says it at the beginning of the show. He's like, oh, well, when Austin guarantees something, you can, you can bet your ass it's going to happen. It's like, no, it's just, it's simple arithmetic, JR. Simple arithmetic. One plus one is two here. Um, British Bulldog comes out looking fucking like, 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 like a like a like a hot dog about to burst. He's been taking <laughs> his vitamins. He, I mean, allegedly. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, some vitamins he, he's getting on the NHS at this stage. Yeah, yeah, he's getting some. He's, you know, he's taking his Barocca <laughs> every morning. He's eating yeah. his Wheaties for sure. He looked like not again. He did not look good in this match. Like no, definitely not. No, like he didn't do anything. The bit that I wrote down was like was the bit where he got whipped into the ropes and then for some reason did a front flip. It was like I just wish hey, what the hell just happened? Like he looked like he went to do the Shawn Michaels thing, where Shawn Michaels gets whipped into the ropes too hard, so he does a flip over the ropes to take the big bump on the outside. But he like flipped too early, so he just looked like he got thrown in and for some reason did a forward roll. <laughs> that's, just, <laughs> that's just like that's weird. Um he forgets a spot at one point. Like he like goes to get out of the ring, and then like you can almost hear Triple H like going like no pedigree, and then he takes like one of the worst pedigrees I've ever fucking seen. Yeah, he basically put his feet down. Yeah, like, he's just like he was an. I even wrote down in my notes, but Bulldog seemed to be booked to be super weak. Like he, he hit he hit a power slam at one point, but otherwise that was about it. He looked, he didn't look like he belonged. Which is a weird thing to say about the British Bulldog. Yeah, you, you look at the match graphic, you're like, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> yeah, which is so strange, because obviously he's had such amazing matches with Bret Hart before, as well, obviously at SummerSlam and things like that. But, like, he was... I forgot how bad he looked on his return, mm-hmm. which obviously doesn't last long. And it's sad to say, but he was... Um, he was he was just such a mess towards the end of his run, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, the action is uh, fast and furious to start, kind of all over the place. Um, but Mankind, something that really stood out to me, Mankind hit this pulling pile driver right on the stairs on the outside on Triple H that just looked, like, gnarly. Mm. Absolutely gnarly. Uh, at one point in the match, the refs are have crossed the picket line, and they walk out of the ring. And during a... While Jimmy Corderas is trying to count something, they pull him out of the ring and just, like, m- like beat his ass down. Like, they stomp a mud hole in him and walk him dry. And then, of course, Austin being the special enforcer, he runs over and murders all the refs. Um, ends up uh, having to count the three for Triple H after everything breaks down again. Finish sort of was flat and kind of sucked. Uh, kind of sucked the air out of the, the room um, until Austin... Uh, stun Triple H. 20 minutes, 23 seconds. Triple H is your new WWF world champion. Guys, hit me with those opinions. How do we feel about it? Yeah, um, I thought this was a mess. I didn't really like this main event. Uh, I don't I don't understand the tags. It's like, what? What, are you going to disqualify someone? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really get... I don't really get... Like, have they always done tags in and out on a six-pack challenge? I think it depends on the match. Sometimes they do it, sometimes they just forget. Because I remember my hero, Jinder Mahal, won one to become number one contender. But I don't remember that having tags in it. But, like, I didn't really... Yeah, I didn't really get the format of this match with the tags in and out. But it's obviously no disqualification. Because how are you going to disqualify someone in a six-packs challenge? So, um, I don't know. I just thought this was just a bit of a mess. I feel like they would have done a better job just having Rock, uh, Rock, Kane, Mankind, and Triple H in a fatal four-way. 
and just chop the other two, Bulldog and um. Who am I missing? Bulldog and Big Show. Big Show, yeah. Get get rid of get rid of those two and just have like a fatal forward. But yeah, I just thought this was a bit of a mess. It just didn't really seem to flow very well. The obvious the focal point was Austin on commentary, who was really funny. And one thing I did write down about Austin, he put over everyone on commentary. Like he was talking about how any one of these six would make an amazing world champion and he's going to go straight for them. But all six of these guys are deserving. The best bit of the match was when Rock stole Austin's beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And span Triple H's face. And then um, Austin was like, you're going to steal a beer from Austin. You better be prepared to drink it. And like stuff like that. And um, But I did think it was funny. I did write down. Triple H is so paranoid at this point. He got spat in the face and punched by the rock, but straight away had to get back in and get the upper hand. Like, because in that spot, the rock drinks the beer, spits it, Triple H starts punching him, and then Triple H straight away starts firing back to get back on top. I was just like, oh, that's such typical Triple H up until about 2009. Like, <laughs> he just has to be the dominant force for some reason. Um, but I wasn't really into this. Uh, at all, to be honest, I just thought it was just a bit of a mess. No, like, it's a bit of a cluster and with the ref stuff that I didn't really understand. Because apart from listening to you guys' podcasts and that, I've not been watching. I didn't really get why they were striking the whole show. So they explained it at the beginning, then they never really went back to it. So it's just kind of hard to follow. And I just thought it was a bit boring. And I don't know. The big show in panties is weird. Panties. He's just wearing briefs and boots. Briefs and boots. That's what they call him. Briefs and boots. They call him booters. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was just a real, real all-you-can-eat buffet. But it's all out of date. Okay. Um, Scott, your your opinions here on the uh, six-pack challenge? I agree with Nathan on some points and disagree with other on others. Uh, I actually thought this was, uh, was actually my favourite match of the night. It's clearly the match everybody came to see, and uh, so definitely the best match for me. I, I agree that the whole tag thing made no sense because half the time they could even keep up with who's legal. Like, even Austin was saying like, "Who's legal again?" And then like they were brawling, two legal men were brawling outside while the other guys were just sat there on the apron, and Austin was asking as their count outs. But I was expecting like Austin to sit on commentary and just bury everybody, and I was. I was preparing for it to be terrible, but Austin was actually a better on commentary than I thought he, he would be. And, like, I almost, almost must say, like, I know he's my favourite, but I need to mention him. Caden and his reverse, like, attire from his usual one. And, like, he, in the early part, he's actually in it for quite a long time. And I thought Caden is the Iron Man of this match, which is not a phrase you, you hear a lot. And,. Uh, I think we've seen some of the spots that Bulldog did. I thought Bulldog didn't do much, and then we see some of the spots like the one it took him to the corner. Like, yeah, that's probably for the best. <laughs> Bulldog, Bulldog at one point like tagged the Rock, and then threw the person he was wrestling out of the ring, and then continued wrestling the Rock. Like <laughs> they. Like, that stood out to me. Like, it never got mentioned on commentary or anything. But, like, he tagged The Rock. The Rock came in. I forget who he was wrestling, but he throws them out of the ring and then continues to just wrestle The Rock. And then Triple H, like, Triple H motions, like, he's almost made a tag, but then doesn't, but then sort of does. Mankind gets let in after he, like, misses getting a tag. I mean, this was all over the place. Yeah. 
like Bulldog clearly has no idea what he's doing. Like at one point, I think Bulldog tags while Big Show Mankind. I think it's Big Show that he tags, but even Big Show's confused. He turns to the referee and asks, "Did he tag me or Mankind?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would have been like they didn't have to take Big Show up, but they would have been like Bulldog. They could have just taken all respect in the world to what the British Bulldog did, but they could they should not have had him in this match. Uh, take him out and just make it a fatal five way, fatal five way elimination, and it would have been a lot better. But I just thought with the tags and the weird stuff and the refs coming out, it was just kind of like I just felt myself going, "Ugh, there's so much going on. I don't know who's legal," and it just ends in what was it? British Bulldog hit Rock with a chair, and the Rock got pedigreed, and then Austin hit Bulldog with the chair. They had to reluctantly count for Triple H whilst Big Show was pretending he couldn't reach. Yeah, like, yes. I like, <laughs> I actually like the idea of Austin like having to count for Triple H because he's guaranteed a shot against the winner, so he's having to count Yeah, I thought three. that was good. I just found myself like not really caring towards the end. Cause it's just, I just couldn't well, keep up with it. I liked like, that aspect of it, but what I didn't like was, well, two things. One, the whole making the title vacant in the first place to just put it back on Triple H and so that I didn't really get and also the end of the end of the whole Triple H is getting up in Austin's face so Austin stunners him and the week on here talking like that's in Triple H is a champion but for how much longer implying obviously Austin's coming for him now he's got a target on him again but, but the way they did it like again it's clear Triple H is not the top guy yet because he's saying like oh he's, he's won the title after he went through a fucking gauntlet on Smackdown yeah. And he won this match. And then like basically saying, oh, well, how long before he loses it to the real star? It is pretty obvious that they don't. They're not mm. 100% behind Triple H. Like, at this point. Because, as you say, when he wins the title, but he doesn't get that moment. He gets stunned, And everyone just wants to see the beer bash. And obviously, the show, the show ends with an Austin beer bash. And Triple H just has to lay there and get beer poured in his face. And it's kind of like, that's not really... It's not really the way you crown a new champion. <laughs> like, you I like uh, I like that. Uh, I think Jr.'s like call of the night was like right when Hunter gets in uh, Austin's face and then he gets stunned, and Jr. just says, "A real smart champ, real smart champ." Like it, just like the way that uh, Jr. like calls these Austin moments, it still resonates twenty years later, and it's just fantastic. Yeah, but I'll count on it. It's still it's burying the new champion though. He just won the belt, and then they're going, "Oh no, that's a bad call." You're gonna get, and then he just gets flattened by the enforcer, the guy who he apparently crippled, if we're meant to believe the video package. And like, I don't know. I didn't really. I just kind of found myself going, "Well, why don't they just make Austin the champ? What was the what's the point of giving it to Triple H afterwards?" Austin's like dealing with injuries. Like he's gonna go away like in November for quite a while, for like up to a year. Yeah. They were they were too worried about just because they probably had to vacate the belt anyway for real. Because yeah, I'm just talking about in, I'm just talking about in kayfabe sense. I'm just mm-hmm. kind of like in kayfabe sense, I kind of left thinking, oh, why why not just why couldn't Austin have just won the belt? Like it felt like they it felt like they really wanted Austin to end the title the night of the title, but they couldn't do it. So they had, they were forced to give it to someone else. And yeah, I mean, they couldn't go with um, like Austin Rock again. That match is too big. Um, Austin and Kane, because Austin's got the title shot anyway. 
Um, so, I mean, like, th- really the only person that it would make sense for is Hunter. Uh, but, like, why bother taking the belt off of him on, you know, SmackDown to then just vacate it on Raw and to have him run the gauntlet on Thursday? Like, it was just like uh, uh, Scott and I were talking about this on the Go Home Show where it's just sort of like a, a lot of mixed signals about uh, Hunter's character in, like, this last, like, 10-day uh, period where um, he's – He's a baby. He's like he's a heel. He's an asshole on Raw, but then on SmackDown he has to run the gauntlet, so he's like a sympathetic babyface to a certain extent. Uh, and then on the pay per view he's like getting his ass kicked like practically the whole match. Uh, he gets the pulling pile driver on the stairs. He gets knocked off the apron. He gets you know beer spit in his face. He gets the beer bash. But then we're supposed to believe that he's like the like heel champion that you know. I, I don't know. Just a, like I said, it's a lot of mixed signals, not a lot of uh, answers as far as uh, Hunter's character. Do you think they knew how bad? Pure speculation. Do you think they knew how bad Austin's injuries were at this point? Probably not. Do you think that's why they were keeping him so unbelievably strong? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure he does. Like I think uh, people who come out very soon, he does have a title match. So. I don't think they'd put him in that uh, match for the title if he wasn't, like, well, if he wasn't, like, up to it. But I think that's probably it then, that they realise just how bad he is and they have to find a way to rate him out. All right, guys, so it is ratings time once again. Um, do you guys want to do your show rating or do you want to give this match a rating first? I have a rating for both. All right, go ahead. Well, I have, a, I have separate ratings for each. For the match itself, my rating would be, like, if a band you love got got like a new member like somebody they've been around for a while and one of the members just leaves and then someone new comes in and they release a new album and for the most part the album was good but you're getting a feeling like uh, something's different about it and as well the album was enjoyable like you can tell this new band member probably doesn't belong that new band member is definitely the bulldog but <laughs> the match was enjoyable itself and uh, the pay-per-view overall is like if you ordered like a burger from like Uber Eats, like a McDonald's from Uber Eats, and it finally gets to you and you're really hungry, and you, when you sit down, you realize uh, the burger is cold, but you can't really be asked getting back up to reheat it because you're so hungry, so you just eat it anyway. And it's 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 delicious, but you it's definitely the fact that it's not warm kind of makes it lose something to you. So there you go. The Unforgiven 99 is like a cold burger from Uber Eats. They eat anyway without reheating because you're so hungry. <laughs> oh yeah, Uber Eats. That is a good idea. That is a good idea. After talking about food for an for an hour and forty minutes. <laughs> I I I've had I've had a situation similar to that, which I won't get into. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Uh, Nathan, what's your uh, what's your rating for the match? For the match is you've gone on holiday to a nice sort of Asian country. Um, you sit down, you order a nice meal. Uh, you start eating the meal, and you're like, and it's something that you, obviously the menus aren't in English, so you're not sure what it is. Um, and you're like, oh, this is really nice. Like, what is this? And you ask one of the waitresses, and they go, oh, it's dog. And then you're like, it's what? And you realise you've been eating dog for half of this meal. Who who owns uh, this restaurant? The big boss man. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that he. Uh, 
I didn't know he had reopened the Hard Times restaurant. Well, I don't know. You go to Vietnam. They serve dog. And, um, yeah, and you just kind of realize you've been eating dog the whole time. So you feel a bit sick and it's all a bit of a mess. And you're not sure why there's loads of referees here. And um, But then <laughs> someone just starts beating them all up. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then the blonde guy wins. So you're a bit confused. But all you're really confused about, you just ate the shih tzu. And you're not sure why. Uh, my my rating for this match is uh, like you go out to a restaurant and you order the sampler platter for the table, um, but like whatever whatever the most whatever the thing you were looking forward to the most gets eaten before you get a chance to get to it, so you're like stuck trying to figure out what to dip the celery sticks in. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but no, that's not to say I hated this match. Uh, I liked portions of it but there was enough of this match that i was just sort of like oh this is a this is quite the mess uh austin on commentary though absolute gem uh scott we're gonna go back to you for your rating on the show as a whole uh i think we do thumbs right so we're gonna do thumbs for this one yeah let's see i'd I'd probably give it a thumbs in the middle because like some of the early matches virtually weren't were just not that good but like i was entertained by china versus uh, Jeff Jarrett, the Kennel from Hell match was what it was, uh, but it wasn't as painful as I, as I thought. As I were, wasn't as painful as I was worried it would be. Uh, I was I actually liked Dead and Christian V the Outlaws, and I liked uh, X V Crusher up until the finish. And the main event was definitely the best match for me. So it's definitely a thumbs up. It's not bad enough for me to, get, to give it a full thumbs down. So it's in the middle. Alrighty, Nathan, your uh, your where is your thumb for Unforgiven 1999? Uh, thumb down. It was pretty boring for the most part. Just kind of crap. Uh, none of it really made sense. I didn't really understand the referee stuff. Uh, they didn't really do a good job explaining for it. But uh, Ivory v Luna, I'll give a shout out to that because I thought that was excellent. And given more time, I think they could have had a really really good like just classic hardcore match. Chris Jericho v X Pac was good. But the rest of it, I just thought, was dull. Like, I don't think anything was above a TV match. Like, really. I just kind of... When I was watching Val Venus v. Um, Steve Blackman, like, I could have just been watching the middle of any random Raw from the late 90s. And oh, things yeah, like I that. forgot it that match happened. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I just kind of... I was just... Found was just gonna, it was weird. Like, I will give it that. So it kept my attention because it was so strange watching it all. But... After that novelty wore off, it was just kind of bleh, like for the most part. Um, and I, I am gonna give this like a, it's a thumbs in the middle, but it's like a middle to down, like it's it's going down because, like I said, large portions of the show were not good. Even the stuff that I uh, enjoyed, uh, the finishes were lackluster. Um, a lot of DQ finishes, but a lot of a lot of dudes punching other dudes in the balls. Um, the referee situation, like, I mean, if the scab referees were supposed to be shit, then I guess it makes a little sense. But like, there was just so many blown calls on this. Um, I'm hoping that like a lot of the stuff that happened here tonight is sort of the end of a lot of that stuff. And I don't know. I'm looking forward to. I am still looking forward to SmackDown as we move forward here because. 1999 and 2000 are uh, hailed as like a really really good time in the company, so like I'm interested to see where this all goes. Um, but that is Unforgiven 1999. Um, um, yes, sir. Sorry, uh, 
I know like we're gonna see a lot of goodbyes eventually on the show, but I didn't realise until we, we start we sat down and probably started like looking at the show. Well, uh, it's one of the biggest goodbyes of all, and he wasn't even on the show. This is the last full WF pay-per-view written by Vince Russo, as by the time we get to Rebellion in just over a week and a bit's time, he will, while the whole company's over there, Vince Russo will be in Edfar sneaking under the cover of night to go and sign their WCW contracts. So there's going to be a different change in probably the presentation of the company. So, um, uh, I guess, I guess then we should be playing a uh, celebration, uh, <laughs> under, under this portion of the podcast because ding dong, the witch is dead. Uh, Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara can go take their untalented asses somewhere else. Um, uh, I mean, okay. So he did a couple good things, but other than that, he's a prick. Um, bro, bro I tell you, we did such a good job. We're going to go to WCW. Bro, They're going to pay us a bro, lot bro, of fucking bro, money. Bro, bro, bro. <laughs> Such a good idea, bro. Bro, bro, we're gonna go. We're gonna bro. go down to Atlanta, bro. We're gonna go down to Atlanta, bro, and we're gonna turn WCW around, bro. It's gonna bro. be fucking phenomenal, bro. Bro, if I told you I found Jesus, bro. Anyone who likes Finn Balor is a man who's gay. Those aren't my words. Those are the actual words of Finn Russo. Scott, how about you hit us with your plugs as we're <laughs> out here? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ScottMcLean1996. You can find my other podcast, Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast, at SP Rambling on Twitter and Facebook.com forward slash Rambling Podcast. We're not going to be able to get together to record for a remote latest episode until late in the weekend. Uh, but we will be covering all things SummerSlam. And me and my friend Paul are huge Bray Wyatt fans, so there'll be a lot of covering of The Fiend's excellent debut at SummerSlam. And uh, we're covering not one but two episodes of Frasier on that particular episode, so it's something for everyone, I think. Yeah. Definitely, Nathan. Uh, while you're giving your plugs, please uh, try and think of a, a theme to close this out on tonight, because you are the guest here. Uh, as we're packing up our bags, ready to walk our way out of the pay-per-view suite in the SmackDown Hotel, maybe you should uh, you think of what what song will play us out this week, uh, and give us your plugs. Uh, Miley Cyrus, Wrecking Ball, and. Yeah, you can find me at Nathan Greenaway. Uh, other stuff going on. Me and Carl will be recording our fabulous uh, review of the first three episodes of Total Divas soon enough. It's called A Punishment. I don't think it is. Uh, the Naked Men podcast, we have massively struggled for time because of various reasons uh, this week. So it might not return until next week, but we're hoping to organize something quick enough with myself and Ben. Uh, but we've just had a bit, a bit of problems getting sort of time organized but hopefully that'll be back this week if not it'll definitely be back next week uh myself and rahul will be returning early next week to start covering the start of the football season all the seasons around europe are kicking off the english league has obviously already started but we've got the spanish league and the german league kicking off this weekend uh so we'll be going around the grounds in europe uh, looking at all of that uh, also please do go check us out on medium you can find the link on our twitter anthony fitzpatrick has been writing some excellent stuff about formula one and motorsport in general if you're interested in that as well but guys thank you for having me absolutely anytime you want to come back and review a pay-per-view just let us know i don't <laughs> <laughs> but no I'll, I'll return at any point but uh yeah, it'd be cool. 
it was fun apart from the pay-per-view. <laughs> uh, and uh, you guys can follow me at uh, Mr. Riot. That's M-R-R-I-0-T because Counter-Strike was a thing when I was a kid. Um, and, uh, yeah, make sure to go back into our ar- archives. We got create a wrestler, create a pay-per-view, create a band. Me and Scott are going to be back later on in the week. We're going to be doing, uh, or even early next week, um, we're going to be doing the follow-up to Unforgiven 99. Retro SmackDown returns and is back and better than ever, as it always is. Um, let's see, we have our SummerSlam review already up, where me and Nathan spend about as long as the pay-per-view is, uh, r- running down... Uh, running down SummerSlam and running down, uh, I don't know, just food stuff. I think we yeah, we get into load, food stuff. Food. Oh, we didn't rate the entire show, Jimmy. Oh, we didn't. No. Oh well. I I did. I gave it a cold Uber Eats burger. That's the rating for the entire show. Okay, I'm gonna give it uh, Ebola. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, I'm gonna give it um. I'm going to give this whole show getting locked in a food service freezer until someone is able to let you out. Yeah, yeah I feel it's... like both have equal chance of death. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's our review <laughs> of WWF Unforgiven 1999. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. And we will see you again real soon. Hey,